Hi everyone, welcome back to Socially Distant Tea Time. I'm Caitlin Legreis, founder of Be Her Village, and I'm joined today by Laura Otten and Evelyn Page, both licensed clinical social workers, both maternal mental health specialists, and both working moms in the time of COVID. So let's get into it. I think anyone who's listening already knows what this is all about. Um, off the air, Laura and I just kind of organically started talking about the thing I would like to talk about today, which is this feeling of bliss and happiness and joy in, it's like this rebuilding out of the ashes that is COVID and simultaneously the feeling of, oh God, we're going to get locked down again and how am I going to handle this? So um, can you guys give some insight? Are you hearing that? Are you feeling that? What do we do? How do we exist in those two places? Uh, so yes, I think <laughs> we are going to be facing um, tighter restrictions coming up and maybe school stuff or daycare stuff is impending. And to speak to that at, at with my therapist hat on, I'm saying like, okay, when is anxiety serving us? Like when do we need to plan and prepare and be proactive and make plans and um, have discussions and not pretend like it's not happening. And there is that good level of anxiety about it, you know, especially talking about the holidays. And we, we've talked before about like making your new traditions and keeping that smaller, all of that, making plans for childcare, all proactive. That's right. my professional hat. My, I'm a mom, I'm a working mom. Um, take that hat off. I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, I, I, and I feel that. And, um, I know you too, as well of like, okay, like we, you know, I'm used to wearing a mask. Like I'm used to kind of living with the pandemic, but the idea, I, I think it's important. I, what I'm reminding myself of, we're not going to be back in March and April again, because we're, we're not going to be there because we're not doing December, last December and January again. Um, it will be different this time. It won't be as scary, I'm hoping. I think that's a realistic thing to have in my mind that it won't be as terrifying as it was. I'm not going to be Cloroxing my produce and my cereal boxes like I was. Um, but still, it, it is that panicky feeling of like, Caitlin, what you said of things are okay right now and I don't want them to change and I want to stomp my feet and say, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with this right now and I don't want anything to change. Yeah, right. That's where I am. Which is like one of the lessons I've learned in this pandemic is that the less like stop my feet and I don't want this, the more open I am to change, the better it all feels and the more it all flows into a and changes into a positive place. Mm -hmm. And yet, knowing that, I almost feel like this next possible lockdown and even the threat of a possible possible lockdown is like the test of the lessons I learned during this this first pandemic of of letting go of the fear and the panic of letting go of this rigidness of of this okay so i'm gonna put my money where my mouth is i keep saying i've i've grown i keep saying i've made some real emotional breakthroughs and i've learned how to communicate and i've learned how to manage my stress and take care of myself and i've learned all these pieces and like i really might get a chance to <laughs> to use all those tools. I don't want the chance, but that's like the toddler in me that's like, no. But at the same time, it's inevitable. What is even the point of stressing about it? Because whatever happens will happen and it will probably be okay and maybe be hard, but I can do hard things. 
So yeah, and you got through it before. We'll get through it again. Right. It will not be endless, just yeah. like it wasn't endless before. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I, it's I mean, it's coming up with my clients as well, and we've kind of taken the stance of you've done this once. You have these. You've developed these skills, or you've strengthened some of these skills. So thinking about how am I going to put this into practice again going forward you know it's it's it sucks like none of us want to do this but I, I can do hard things I've done it before I have that experience so and like you said Laura it's not going to be the same so how do we translate the skills that we have developed to the next few months mm-hmm. so that fear though like I'm I'm hoping that the all of the unknown that we lived in in March and April, with that removed, it's literally just gonna be like an issue of managing two working adults with kids at home. Like I'm hoping that will be the situation. Like literally I'm like with my husband last night, I'm like, okay, like let's just say we were getting locked down tomorrow. Like what are the things we wish we bought? You know, cause it's not a place I really wanna go to, but at the same time, like we were like panic buying like crafts and like, you know, stuff like that. and. And that's probably, you know, I was thinking about like Chromebooks and like, how are we going to get the tools for them to do their schooling and just basic, um, basic things like paper towels, you know? And he's like, oh, we'll go to the stores and stock up. But, but I also remember in March and April, March specifically of last year, we were like terrified of getting the virus and terrified of moving about. And, and we like literally bought enough food to get through like eight weeks. We didn't go to the store for a really long time. This time, my husband has had it. We've all been exposed to it. I feel personally way less panicky about the virus, and I'm hoping that, you know, that will bring a little bit of normalcy into whatever the lockdown. For me, the lockdown, I, I don't need to go anywhere. I don't need to see anyone. I really just want my kids to be in a place that's outside of the home for, to some extent. You know, I think that's the thing that feels the most like, oh, this feeling of, of I need childcare, I just do, you know, to, to survive and exist. And it's not the most comfortable thing for me to say out loud because I hate the idea that I dread time with my children. And I don't dread time with my children. I just really, really love having time to work and do my professional endeavors. But I also feel like a bad mom that I'm dreading the idea of being home for weeks with my three children. So I don't know, there's that too, you know. I think that's the idea of like the different roles we play and kind of figuring out what the balance is for, you know, working mom, Caitlin, and, you know, at home mom, Caitlin with my kids, you know, and, you know, just me and my own. And I like to do fun things and see my friends and, you know, go out to dinner, something like that. So I think we might've said this a couple episodes ago, but of like that idea of like, it's okay to miss your kids and enjoy being at work. You know, yeah. I think we were talking about that last week. Yeah, it's, it's like separating out. Yeah, what guilt is like guilt. Like guilt is a normal emotion, but it's something we should feel when there's oh, we've actually done something wrong. You know, doing, enjoying your work and kind of finding fulfillment is not wrong. You know, so it's okay to just miss your kids during that time because all of our kids are adorable. So they are not not having the subsequent shame of I'm a bad mom for wanting the break Mm -hmm. because it's it's every mom and every dad and every parent of it's 
not supposed, you're not supposed to be with your kids 24 seven. And that's not how it's ever been. And mm -hmm. so of course you don't like that. And, and having that as an expectation of yourself or, th or thinking that other people have that and you're, you don't, mm -hmm. um, you're going to fail and you're just going to keep failing at it. And it's, it's not helping your kids. It's not helping you, your relationships. Uh, so absolutely right. You haven't done anything wrong by feeling that way. Well, and this is why yeah. we do this. I already feel better about that fact. It feels when I, it's in my head, it feels like a big, deep, dark secret, you know, and there's shame attached to that. Like, I feel terrible thinking, oh, like my kids are going to be home. But, but I, I think for so many years, I tried to be the working mom and the stay at home mom and those, and I failed at both of them because I, I was so split, you know, and I'm finally, finally getting to this wonderful balance of when I'm with my kids, I'm with them and I'm not working. And when I'm at work, I'm working and there's no kids and it's so lovely and so sweet. So, so I feel bad about dreading like reversing that, but I love the perspective and, and the permission you guys give me to feel like that. So thanks. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well done. Podcast we, finished. We, we, we've just solved every mom's problem <laughs> right, right then and there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But that is part of the, the proactive stance we can take to prepare of like, okay, like let's say we do need to lock down. Like who do we want? Do we have an in-law or a parent or one family that we right. can do our pod with um, to help out with this. Um, and we do know how effective masks are. So incorporating that back in or continuing that. And, and that's a good use of anxiety. And we talk to our clients about, we're not turning off people's anxieties. That's not the goal. Then we wouldn't be safe. Um, we just want it at that healthy level where we're doing something to keep ourselves safe without it going into overdrive as if we're um, in crisis mode. And I, I recently had a session where we talked about that. It was powerful for me too, that we can't live like we're in crisis all the time. It's very good when we're actually in a crisis, all those stress hormones, all of those physiological responses we have are great for those times. The problem is we're acting like that when we're not in crisis and we're not under immediate threat. So it's nice to kind of take stock of Am I responding appropriately to where the situation is? Am I meeting it at that appropriate level of anxiety? Mm -hmm. I love that. It's, it's such a good way to look at that. And it's, thank you for pointing that out because it's like, it's kind of like with anything else. I know we've talked about food choices with our kids and trying to, it reminds me of that. Like there's no bad food. There's no bad emotion. It's really just about the spectrum of health, right? Like you do anxiety. I've, I, with my dual clients, I talk about that, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm just being hormonal. And I'm like, yeah, you're being hormonal because your hormones are causing you to be more aware of your surroundings and more vulnerable to the things people say so that you can pick up on danger. And that's part of why you're having this reaction is it's a, it can be a force for good. These really big, heavy emotions. If we channel them and listen to them and also not get paralyzed by them because being paralyzed either by like complete apathy or paralyzing anxiety and fear like neither one of those things is going to be productive for us as we try to navigate through this so anything else anything else coming up for everybody besides like life is pretty good oh god we're gonna probably get locked out again is anything like any themes that you're seeing in your sessions? I mean, I don't know if we want to 
go there, but all of my <laughs> sessions have been about the election for the last two weeks. Let's do it. Let's go there. So, yeah, there was a lot of fear and anxiety um, in the weeks leading up to the election, how long it took to get results, and there is still, so there's some relief. We have an answer, sort of, I guess, but there's still a lot of fear of what's going to happen over the next couple of months, you know, and that's what I'm seeing with my clients. Um, so some relief, but still like a lot of weariness of what is this transition going to look like? Because this is not something that I think any of us have experienced before with an election. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's tons of fear and it is, there is some relief in for people who, you know, preferred Biden. And I, I think that there's something to be said for the fact that we have our first female woman of color, female period, woman of color period as um, the vice president. That's very cool. Um, but it is, it is scary to watch, um, to watch our American, like, rituals, traditions, I don't think precedence, precedence with P-R-E-C-E-D-E-N-E-S, like not precedence, but precedence, um, be kind of thrown out the window at the whim of uh, a, a losing narcissistic president. It's, it's nerve wracking, especially the followers that are gobbling up the information and misinformation because it feels good and because it's probably like I don't know, it's probably their coping mechanism for some other thing, you know, like the more we get inundated, it's like, I've been seeing um, like memes and stuff where it's like, one of the things to notice is like how much you're consuming social media because it becomes this thing that like, instead of paying attention to your stress or it feeds, it feels good, but it like feeds and it becomes this thing that's so much bigger. I actually like until... Evelyn, until you've said the election, like, it's just not on my, it's not where my brain is. I wake up and I do my work and I spend time with my kids. And I'm like, I'm in this very detached place, which for me as someone who has, I went to school for political science in college. I worked in DC. I care deeply about politics. I, I am an activist and I, but at the same time, I'm like real, I'm real checked out because it, I think that's my coping mechanism, you know, and it's, because it is extremely anxiety inducing what's happening right now. And I don't know, do you guys have tips for managing that? Because there's, if this is a great, it's very in line with the pandemic, right? It's like something, although, although I think we can control the pandemic more and that we can at least wear a mask, but like, it's this huge, huge thing on a scale so big and so impactful and can and will have direct impacts on our life. And it's terrifying and it's all over the news. But at the same time, it's like, how, what do we do? You know, it's something we don't actually have control over. So can you guys give us, those of us who are listening and meet, like, what are the tools? How do we get through this election season, which typically is literally like a week. It's like a little or, or a month, maybe a little bit leading up to it, election night coverage, and then the next day you have a winner. And then, you know, everyone forgets about it until January 20th. But this feels like it's really ex going to be an extended thing. Like, I feel like I'm holding my breath until January 20th. And at the same time, we're heading into a lockdown. It just feels like these two buses, like just <laughs> are runaway trains, like where there's no control over these two things. And it's like a strange time to be living my life and trying to raise my children and 
building this company and doing all these things with these huge, crazy historical events that are awful happening in the background. So how do we, how do we handle it? I'm glad you brought it up, Evelyn. How do we handle that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not one of these things, like the work is not over. Um, actually, the work has just begun um, because I, we've, we've learned as a white person learned so much um, over the past year and being challenged by it, but also there's that sense of I need to continue to be challenged by it and not just be like, oh, well, it's been taken care of now. Like quite the opposite, like, okay, like now it's the time to put our money where our mouth is and actually make changes and be productive and um, counter the, the hatred and the bigotry um, that we've been seeing so much of. So staying active, but then also, we've talked here about the bandwidth and, and stepping outside of the comfort zone. I know that's been big for me too, of like, okay, here's where I'm comfortable. That's not good enough. I also don't, I can't go up to my level 10, but I need to challenge myself to keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. And um, so taking care of myself so I can expend that energy in that time um, and show up and be present while also, um, taking care of, I, I need to take care of myself in order to do that. And not now just sit on my laurels and let other people take care of it. Um, and, and that's, I think that's where it is. It's that balance again of, okay, I'm going to take care of myself so I can keep giving and keep doing the work here. And knowing like it's far from over. And, and in fact, like it, it's, the systems that were in place before um, this presidency were bad. Like we just had bad systems from the foundation of our country. So like, why do we think it's over now um, because of a new president? The, the crises here are real, but I need to match my reaction to um, what's happening and not go overboard and, and um, deprive, you know, deplete myself is the word I'm looking for. Hmm. If that all makes sense, I just rambled a lot, but that's yeah, my no. But that's I think it makes yeah. perfect sense because it's it's exactly like it's that balance, right? Work life versus family life, but like political mm -hmm. activism versus self care and self preservation. Because you can spin out really easily when you start getting politically active. Because I think it takes a certain personality type. Um, one that maybe is naturally an overextender or highly empathetic or, you know, like to even become politically active, unfortunately. And, the, you know, I don't think it's a normal thing for people to be politically active. I think the people who are tuned into politics and want to be active are people who care deeply about things and about other people and about their causes. And political activism is, is volunteer work. It's free, you know, it's, it's your energy being expended, which is just for working mothers who are already being pulled in many different directions. It's just, it becomes easy, easy, easy to get burnt out. And I think burnout is like a topic that we have talked about and should talk about more extensively just for mothers in general. But with the political, it's just one more thing that feels like it's just, it, it doesn't right now anyway, it doesn't feel like it's giving back at all, you know, and I know it, I know it's important and I know there's runoff races in Georgia and there's, you know, there's also just continuing to push and keep people engaged and, and learning more ourselves, but that's, it can be just so exhausting and it's, it's one more thing, one more plate to balance. It's like, it's another thing to kind of find some balance with, um, because it's, 
if you're feeling burnt out, it's not going to be helpful to do. And it, I think it almost kind of feels resentful of like, oh, this is one more thing I have to do. Um, it, I think it just kind of, for me, you know, it highlights, you know, the work that I'm continuing to do myself, you know, it, it was, but, but also just kind of the fear that um, I, I live with. Um, we, I wasn't sure if I was going to share this, but on Saturday morning, we had a kind of a scary racist encounter with somebody and I was with my kids. And um, this is, it was just sort of eye-opening um, in a sense of, it, it, you know, things like that have happened before, but I, I think the fear is kind of like what, who, how do I say this? Just the level that people feel comfortable um, expressing that, you know, and in front of small children. Um, so, yeah, so knowing, like, I've been doing my own work, you know, my, at, at times my husband and I, before having kids, have, you know, I, I'm, white presenting Latina, but my husband and I have been in sort of awkward situations, but when it involves your kids, it kind of um, just brings a whole nother level to it, um, which kind of just fuels some of the other work, personal work that I've been doing as far as like continuing to learn about um, and improve, like how, how do I talk about race and systemic racism and oppression, um, not just in my family, but in my work as a therapist, in my work, you know, volunteer stuff and other things that I'm involved with it with I don't know some of that was just kind of like really highlighted by that um because I think I think most parents can kind of relate to you know if something is going on with your kids like you will do whatever it takes you will kind of face that head on and that was like you know a huge feeling that I had um this Saturday so but it is still like finding I, I think it is finding a balance like I I, I could have gone in a very different way that in that situation that we had, um, which probably wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been productive, but um, yeah, it just kind of made me think a lot more about how I'm going to continue doing that work for, for me, but also for my kids. So. Mm -hmm. I love that. Oh, um, I'm really sorry that that happened to you guys. That's awful and sickening. Um, but I think it, what you just said, like that's the sort of thing that fills me up and makes me remember wh why activism isn't all draining. You know, it's actually, it can be a productive way of using that anger, the rage, the anxiety, the, you know, the feeling of injustice and, and channeling it into something productive instead of, instead of whatever that option B was for you that you didn't, <laughs> that you didn't engage in. Um, but always with an eye to balance, for sure. Yeah, healing. And such a reminder that it's not optional for people of color or LGBT people. Of, it's optional for, it, it. I put that in quotation marks, optional for my family because I'm not going to have that happen to me when I'm out with my family. So those parents who are listening to this being like, I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to talk about racism. Like I want to shield my kids from that, or that's not part of our community. That being such a huge privilege and one that's perpetuating this um, and that being able to turn it off and take a break from it is not optional for, um, 
for, for so many people. So parenting is political. We've said that before. And I, if I have bullhorn, I'd use it now. Parenting is political and we all have to do that. I'm so glad you, I know you, you were hesitant to share that, but I'm so glad you did, Evelyn. So thank you. And I feel when you said, you know, you had your kids with you, I, I felt it in my body, this kind of like, like rising up of like, because I, I know your family and I'm, that's heartbreaking, but it, it's, it's unfortunately what's been happening and will continue to happen. And that's right. the work here. Yeah. But it was, it, you know, that was Saturday morning and I did let my kids stay up late and watch the speeches and it was very emotional for us to kind of talk to both our kids. I mean, my two-year-old doesn't really doesn't get anything, but my four-year-old who is black, um, to be able to tell her there's not just a woman, but a woman that looks like her, you know, in this second highest position in our country. Um, she, you know, her, she's, she's only four. So again, it's not like she was sitting, you know, enraptured by these speeches, but at the end, you know, when, you know, a lot of, um, you know, Vice President-elect Harris's family was coming up on the stage, like her reaction was like, oh, a girl with hair like mine, mm. you know, and when, when would she have had that, that mirror, you know, so that, that meant a lot. So beautiful. And I was yeah. in like sobbing, I was sobbing and it really caught me off guard. Yeah. Um, when I watched, but her speech was so stirring. And I realized it's not something I think about a lot, but it's something I have to think more about. I realized that I'm raising a little girl who might identify as a woman of color. She's, her father is from Honduras, her, her entire family, you know? So she, technically yeah. she's Latina. And I, I only say she might identify because I, I have no idea how she's gonna identify it. I just wanna like leave that space for her to right. figure it out yeah. on her own. But I'm a white woman and there's only so much I can do and say and show her because whatever I accomplish and whatever I teach her, I'm doing that through the lens of whiteness. And to be able to say, hey, look at Kamala, look at what she did and look at what you can do. And, you know, like I was also texting with um, a friend of mine who's a Trump supporter, which me, I just don't understand it. And I've told her that, but that's okay. <laughs> still like her for other reasons and she is a woman of color herself raising a little girl who's a woman of color and it's like despite the differences in our politics like that was a huge moment for her and she sat there with her daughter and it, it's just it's groundbreaking for our children like you said Evelyn like she couldn't grasp the enormity of it because she was four but I think what's really exciting is like our kids will never grasp the enormity of it because they're little kids and it's totally normal to see a black president and a female vice president and these are and gay marriage is legal and these are normal things for them and it it's that's so exciting to me. <laughs> so those are like the glimmers of hope that I have that despite all of the absolutely nutty things that are happening out there and the awful things that are happening, that there are these, these things being normalized for this generation. Yeah. And, and that's a beautiful thing that they really it, like, won't understand it until they're a lot older. Yeah. And it highlights, it's, it's so highlighted for me how much our kids really are absorbing because that night, you know, she was kind of like playing around in the living room, this was happening. You know, she went to bed. The next day, I overhear her talking to my husband about everything, you know, about a president and, you know, 
why, well, why does she have to be the second person? Why can't she be the first person? Like she took in so much just from, you know, that couple hours that she stayed up late. So it's kids, kids are taking everything in, you know, she's only four. Oh, what a beautiful time to be alive. <laughs> what a yeah. wonderful place to end with well, hope. Let's end there. Yes, <laughs> let's end on Pamela and our little girls having a very bright oh. future. Thank you, ladies, both so much for joining me. As always, it is an absolute pleasure. And thank you, everyone else, for listening. Uh, tune in two weeks from now. We're going to do this every other Wednesday uh, until we need it weekly. But <laughs> hopefully, that will be the case. <laughs> All right. Have a great day, everybody. All right. Great. Bye.